0: And today also we're going to be starting a uh, new sermon uh, that we're going to be in uh, starting today all the way until about Thanksgiving time, uh, going through the book of James. And this is a a book that I've wanted to preach through for a long time, but it just hasn't quite worked out schedule-wise. But it it worked perfect this year because it's a a great follow-up to Proverbs that we just went through. Because James is full of what I would call practical faith. It's all sorts of tools to kind of get through life, and, and it's really a, a book that speaks very clearly of if you profess faith in Christ, this is what your life should look like. This is how you should approach situations and, and work through difficulties, and, and I think it's one of these, these series that we're going to walk away every day with plenty of things to apply to our life uh, directly, kind of like those, those life hacks or those faith hacks, and so today is going to be a topic I think that's going to be useful for, useful for all of us. And it's the topic of, of perseverance. That faith leads us to perseverance. Be able to get through the difficult times, the confusing times, the challenging times in life. And we, we have these things all the time. Uh, just this morning on the way into church, We told Mason in the car, hey, today we get to start Sunday school again. And he went, I have a bad cough. I'm not sure that I can go to Sunday school today. And it's like, well, you know, I I heard there's going to be donuts and cinnamon rolls, and maybe I'm feeling okay. And he found the perseverance to make it through that and and, and, uh, go through Sunday school today. But in reality, we face... Lots of challenging things in life. There's no shortage of troubles and hardships, trials and temptations. They can come from outside. They can come from inside. And how we respond trials, how we respond to and understand trials, has everything to do with our faith. There's this practical faith that leads us to perseverance and endurance to get through trials. Now, faith does not remove hardships from your life. I wish that were true, but it's not. But faith does give you the strength to walk through those hardships. And so today, I just want to be mindful of that, everything that's going on. We have a community of, of people that people are going through different things. And, and I'm going to take a time to pray for the sermon, but also just pray for some things going on. Uh, yesterday, we had a service right here for Terry Screen's sister. That's a hardship, and we can be praying through that. And, and uh, Gil has been working through some health complications. We've been praying for you. We prayed for you this morning. We want to pray for Gil on that. Uh, and maybe, I don't know if you've heard yet, but uh, Chris Larson just found out that she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And is uh, going through that, that period now, starting chemo this week. And Jess, you're in town now. I know to support your family, but we want to pray for that family as well. But at the end of this sermon, I, I hope we all understand that these trials can have great purpose beyond what we understand at the time, that God can use all of these things for our strength building, our character building, and and ultimately his glory. So let's take a moment to pray Uh, before we read the text. Just pray for some of these families right now. So God, we do trust you. We love you as the benevolent God, the all-powerful God who can do all things. And God, As one who is all-wise, you use things for purposes that we can't quite understand, and it can be challenging and confusing. And, And even these things we just listed now, God, we know there's plenty more pain and hardship going on, even in this congregation, people walking through things. We pray for all those things that were not spoken today, that people know that they're walking through in their lives and in their hearts right now. We pray for uh, just the, the funeral, the service yesterday for Laura, for Terry's sister. God, I just pray that you would continue to heal that family and, and the brokenness and the pain that they're feeling through the loss and the bereavement. Uh, but God, give them peace through this time and this, this assurance, this hope in you as they think about eternity we pray for Gil and, and we just pray that you continue to give wisdom to the doctors to figure out what's going on. But ultimately, God, we pray for your healing in that situation, that there would be strength here for Gil and his whole family. And for Chris and for Bruce, God, we pray for them now, for Chris as she's uh, going into this season, that we could be a church that encourages and supports her in this. But ultimately, that we, we pray for, for peace in their lives and we pray for your miraculous healing In this time, God, that you would work all things together for your good, for the love, for those who love you. And God, we pray that now for for Chris, that you would be working through this. But God, in all of these trials and these hardships, we know that you are the God who can do all things. There's nothing too small for you. There's nothing out of your control. But ultimately, God... If you have us walk through these hardships, it's for a purpose, it's for a reason, it's to strengthen us, it's to grow us, it's to bring us to maturity and contentment in you. So God, that is your greatest work. May you accomplish that in these hardships and these trials as we learn to trust you and walk closer with you so in this sermon, God, in these words of James from thousands of years ago, it rings true in us now. Your Holy Spirit speaks in the same way to us as we go through different situations, but similar situations all the same, these hardships and these trials. God, speak to us with your Holy Spirit and help us to grow deeper in faith in you as you lead us and give us strength towards perseverance. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. We're going to open up now to James and, of course, start at the beginning here, uh, James chapter 1. I'm going to read just the first verse to start, because I do want to pause and give some context of what we're reading here. James 1.1 says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings this is a verse you can just kind of skip over quickly and, and not realize what's happening. But this actually gives a lot of context to what we're about to read in, in the uh, next verses that follow. And James himself was the half-brother of Jesus, one of the twelve disciples. He was, by all accounts, the leader of the church of Jerusalem, kind of the, the head elder, and the one who was giving direction to Jerusalem, responsible to this, these people that he's writing to now. And the Jerusalem church in its early stage was was really bustling. This is the place where Pentecost happened. Right? This is where many were coming to the to the Lord. And it was a church that certainly had its hardships, but comparatively, this is kind of like the mega church of the time. Lots of people and resources and influence. And then as we read through the book of Acts, things got really hard really fast. Acts 7, Acts 8, we see that persecution is kind of ramping up. And and really the key moment here is when Stephen was stoned. He was martyred. Then all of a sudden, persecution was just widespread to this church of Jerusalem. And they were scattered. They're scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. They're scattered all across the nations. This church that was strong and had everything seemingly going right as now dissipated. And so James is writing to these believers that are scattered all around, saying that God has a plan and a purpose for all of these things that you're going through. And so he continues with these words. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, Blown and tossed by the wind, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded, and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises. With scorching heat and withers, the plant, its blossoms fall, and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away, even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth to the word of truth that we might be a kind of firstfruits of all he created. Now we read a lot there that we're going to unpack here today, but if we could really condense this all into one sentence, James is telling this church, this scattered church, that trials are inevitable in life, but God uses them to deepen our faith and glorify Himself. Trials have divine purpose, and faith leads us to perseverance to get through those trials and hardships. And so the first 12 verses can really be summarized in this idea that faith gives us the strength to keep going, to keep moving forward when times are tough or confusing. And we sometimes get this idea that life should always be easy when you're a Christian, that if you have faith in God, that everything should kind of go your way. What we read here is that we're con- to consider it pure joy, not if trials come your way, but whenever you face trials. We get this idea. The problem is, is that idea doesn't come from God. And I'd, I'd love to share with all of you today that if you follow Jesus, everything is going to go your way, that you're going to hit every green light on your way home, and nothing is ever going to trouble you from here until the day you die. I would love to share that with you, but I can't, because that's not God's word, and that's not God's promise. And so it's important to set your expectations correctly when it comes to faith, otherwise you're always going to be disappointed, you're going to be confused. Trials have a purpose, and in order for them to reach their intended purpose, you need to view God and view trials correctly. And first is that God never said life would be easy. Jesus told us many times that there will be troubles in this life, but he does tell us that if you follow him, that life will be possible and life will be worth it. Trials have a purpose, to deepen our faith and to strengthen our character that we'll talk about in a moment here. But if you're viewing trials and hardships as these things that is some form of divine punishment or negligence that God has just forgot about you, you're losing sight of the bigger picture here. And if you get mad at God for the hardships in your life, what's really happening is, is you're getting mad at, at your own incorrect perception of God, which means you may not know it, you're actually mad at yourself. God uses trials to shape us. And I think it happens in, in three primary ways here. And, and one is that God may have you in a situation that's difficult that he fully intends to take you out of in a miracle, an in intervention, And nothing is too hard for God. God can do anything. He can heal you. He can provide for you. He can protect you. And none of these things will break a sweat for God. Now, miracles are always possible in any situation. And and read through the Bible, you see countless examples of them of people being given sight after a lifelong of being blind, or people being raised from the dead, or, or the sea. Splitting before the nation of Israel, who has the Egyptian army at their back. God will put you in situations at times to deliver you from them miraculously. And that gives God glory. It deepens your faith. It, it exemplifies that God can do all these things. But faith now is not just trusting that God can do all things, but more so, it's trusting Him if He doesn't. There's times that God won't deliver you from these situations and it might be what you want but it's not what he wills god has a good and perfect will even for hardships and trials maybe he wants to teach you something through it maybe god has you walk through these valleys so that you can help someone else down the road maybe he has you walk through these valleys and hardships because he wants to teach you something and build your character and your strength I think that's probably the most common situation with these trials. It means that it's going to be hard for us to trust and obey and follow God through these dark times. But God has a purpose. And that purpose can only be accomplished if you persevere through these trials in faith. That's what we see here spelled out in James 1, 2 through 4 is that when you understand these moments have a purpose for you, you can approach them with joy. And this is often misunderstood. Joy, first of all, is misunderstood with happiness. We look at it as this this feeling. And happiness is a fleeting thing. Because what makes you happy today may not make you happy tomorrow. What you think is going to make you happy today, you could experience. and, And it doesn't actually make you happy. Happiness, for the most part, is out of our control. But joy is an attitude. It's a perspective. It's a choice that we carry. To have joy in a trial is not to be happy about the trial. We're not smiling and saying, yay, I lost all of my money or hooray, I'm being persecuted today. That's not what he's saying here, but it's having joy through the trials because you have faith and trust in God that he's got all things in his control, and he has a good and perfect will, a purpose for what you are going through. Because trials and hardships, as we see in verses 3 and 4, bring you to a place of maturity and contentment. Maturity and contentment. That the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And that perseverance will finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Now, perseverance is not the final product in a trial, but rather it's the thing that keeps us going to the ultimate end, which is growing stronger in faith, stronger in character and becoming content in God, not lacking anything. Now, it's my observation that oftentimes those who are deepest and most unwavering in their faith have not had a very easy life that God has used these trials and these hardships to shape them and form them, that they're not easy. That's why they're called hardships. But you see from the other side that they carry a greater purpose than we often know in the time. We can have joy as we face trials because though it's a hard time, we know there's an inevitable end in which God is using all of these things together for our good and his glory. That's why we see in verse 5 that we have to ask for wisdom through this. And I think this is speaking specifically about wisdom as you're going through these hardships. If you lack wisdom, if you're not seeing why this is happening and you're confused, then ask God. He's going to give you wisdom to make it through these situations without finding fault in you. He will give it to you. And I think... We have the value oftentimes of retrospect as you walk through these seasons. Maybe there's something that's hard in your life that you've walked through. You still don't know why it happened. But, but oftentimes, you get on the other side of it. There's always another side. And you can look back and you can see how God used all of these things together to strengthen you and to build your faith. In the moment, as you're walking through it, you can ask God for the same wisdom. And the promise here is that he will give it to you if you ask him with faith. Verses six through eight really really talk about the importance of trusting God here. If you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of a sea blown and tossed by the wind. And that's that's if you're asking kind of in the wrong way of like, God, what are you doing? Seriously? Like, you're not seeing this how I see it. You're doing all this. Please explain to me why you could be so negligent as to make me go through this stuff. If you ask God in that kind of way, you're not trusting him. You're trusting yourself. And you become double-minded. This is really meaning kind of having two lives. And, And one side, you say you trust God. And the other side, you don't. So how do you expect to receive wisdom from God if you don't trust him to begin with? The moment you doubt in his wisdom, his sovereignty, his benevolence, his love and grace and mercy, is the moment you lose your strong footing. And you get blown around by the winds and the storms of life. You have no solid rock on which to stand. Faith helps us to keep going because we can receive wisdom from God to approach these situations. I'm going to touch on this real quick. This is talking about kind of the same dynamics that we experience in today's culture that there's a class of haves and a class of have-nots, and there's this dichotomy of of, of people, and and if you're behind, it's really hard to get ahead. The same was true here. There's a mixture of believers. Most of this church would have been poor and marginalized and misplaced, but there's a, a selection of them that were wealthy and had a lot, and this is really just a reminder that as you keep going, you keep your trust in the right things, rely on God's resources. And it, it says here that believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. And this is really reinforcing for many of these believers that you have everything you need if you have God. This hardship, you can keep going because you have all you need in, in Christ. And there's nothing sinful in and of itself with being wealthy. That's not what he's saying here. But there is a temptation if you have a lot to now be trusting in yourself and your resources rather than God. We're going to talk a lot more about the poor and the rich throughout the book of James here. So I'll just just come off this with this this one point here: is that those who have little are forced to put their trust in what they really need, which is God. And those who have a lot will quickly learn that money doesn't solve all of your problems. In fact, money often creates problems. And the great equalizer between the two is trials. It brings everyone to the same level, and there's no replacement for God. Faith gives us perseverance because it brings us to a place of contentment in God, that all we have is all we need in Christ. And the last verse here in this this first section is, is understanding that there is an end. Keeping your eyes fixed on eternity. You can keep going because you know that no matter what you're going through now, it's never going to compare with eternity. That there's going to be an inevitable end to your pain and your suffering. Verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Blessed are those who persevere under trial. Your faith is made pure through these trials. And and every trial in life has two inevitable ends. It, It can bring you closer to God, or it can take you away from God. And it has to do with your level of faith. And that's why trials are often called tests. And it's not like a, a quiz, and God's not going, okay, let's, let's just throw that out there and see how they respond. But, but test is actually a word used to say, to find the purity level. If you, if you really believe in God and these hardships come, it's, it's not going to take you away from God. It's going to bring you closer to him. And as you follow these tests, you receive the crown of life, which certainly here is a symbol of receiving your heavenly reward. At the end of life is an end to all hardships and various trials you face. You can go through all of these things with joy because you know at the end there will be unending joy, matchless joy. We keep going because we know that nothing we face now it's going to compare with the matchless glory of heaven. There's no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow or hardship. The Apostle Paul says it in a similar way, Second Corinthians 4, 17, that our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Nothing we experience here Will compare to heaven, no matter how good or how bad, it will always be better. Faith gives us the strength to keep going, because we know at the end of this all is eternity. Our reward is not in this life, but in the next. Keep going. Now on the flip side of that, we get into the middle section, which talks about the kind of the, the other side of the coin when it comes to trials. Sometimes you need to keep going because everything is you're doing everything right it's just these hardships that you have to walk through sometimes you're going through hardships because of yourself so faith is giving us the strength to change course and trials can mean hardships or it can also mean temptation so sometimes it comes from outside sometimes it comes from inside and just like these hardships, temptations have the ability to either bring you closer to God or to bring you further from God in disobedience. And this becomes a real test for many Christians. Now, two things are made very clear here in the text. And the first is that temptations, temptations to sin or temptations to do evil, do not come from God. Verses 13 and 14. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God can not be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. So if you're being tempted to sin, don't blame God for it. Now, what needs to be made clear here is that temptation itself is not a sin. Temptation is common to us all. Everyone is tempted. Jesus was tempted. Right? When he's out in the desert for 40 days, Satan threw everything he had at Jesus to tempt him. The book of Hebrews says that Jesus was tempted in every way, just like we are. Temptation itself is not the problem here. It's what we do with the temptation that matters. And that's where faith helps us along here. Temptations can either come from Satan or it just comes from our own evil fleshly desires. We're all born with the inclination to sin. And Satan loves to find the buttons to press, to tempt you. Now, I've heard it said, uh, Tim Keller says that, that Satan explores ways to tempt you until he finds what resonates. And there's a phenomenon in physics called natural frequency is that everything has some sort of frequency in which it vibrates and if you if you kind of sing or hum that pitch you can make it vibrate that's how like the the big opera ladies can make the glasses shatter right they find the natural frequency and when they sing it it makes it vibrate and shatter everything can do that and what satan does is he tempts you in every way until he finds what works and then he keeps humming the same tune trying to tempt you into sin. And all of us have different temptations that work. Hebrews also says that we all have a sin that easily entangles us. So what tempts me is different than what tempts you. But all of this appears to us, although it's like a desire from within. And so we can confuse that with what's good. And what we're taught by society to follow your feelings and your inclinations and your desires, follow your heart, whatever you feel, do it. But faith is telling us that if it is in conflict with God's word, that you are to walk away from it, to repent and to walk away. You are responsible for your own temptations. They're not from God. And so faith gives us the ability and the strength to walk away from sin, because when you don't, it ultimately leads to more hardships. And that's what we see here in verses 15 and 16. This is kind of the anatomy of sin. It starts small, and it grows big to the point of death. Verse 15 reads that, After each desire has conceived, and this really means when you allow it to live in your heart, when you compromise on just that small area and you kind of lean into it, it is now conceived in your heart. After each desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. And there's this progression that goes along here. It starts with maybe just a whisper or an inclination or this desire to do something. And that's the time to take care of it. But when you let it live inside of you, it it grows and it multiplies. And, And Jesus kind of addressed this in the Sermon on the Mount. When he said, you've heard you shouldn't murder. But I tell you, someone who hates their brother has already committed murder in their heart. You've heard not to commit adultery, but I tell you, if if someone lusts for another person's wife, they've already committed adultery in their heart. And what we see is the big sins. The reality is it, it begins to live in you first. You let these desires grow and blossom to the point of sin, and the result of sin is death. This is the importance of accountability in life. We often think of accountability and confession as the same thing. That the time of accountability is to tell someone after you've sinned. And there's some value in that. But what accountability really is, is calling up a brother or sister. Like, hey, you know what? I've got this bad desire to do this thing that I know is wrong, and I need you to pray for me so I don't do it. I need you to pray for me that I can resist this Temptation, And that's what honesty and integrity and keeping a pure heart and mind means. And this isn't a symbol of how great we are. This is how God's grace works in our life. This is how faith affects us. Titus 2, 11 and 12 says that the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And this grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Faith gives us the strength to walk through the hardships caused by our own temptations. Don't be deceived. Verse 16 reads, knowing God has given us the strength to turn away from all the things that we know are wrong. The reality is if we, if we hated sin as much as God did, if, we, if sin saddened us as much as it saddens God, this world would be a very different place. And hardships would be at a minimum. Faith gives us the strength to turn away from even the hardest temptations in life. And the last point as we wrap up today is is found in verses 17 and 18, that, that faith helps us, even in these hard moments, to see God's goodness. Keep our eyes fixed on eternity and the ultimate prize, which is to know God and to see God. This is the ultimate end of our faith, trusting in God's goodness. No matter how bad the circumstances, how confusing, we can say that God is good. Faith is knowing that God is very good, even when life is very hard. We have a tendency to fix our eyes only on our problems, only on our hardships and forget all that is happening around us under God's providence and will. Verse 17 reads that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of the heavenly lights who does not change like the shifting shadows. This is telling us that God's goodness is unending. He's the same yesterday and today and and tomorrow. God is by his very nature good. Everything about him is good. He will not change. He can't get any worse. He can't get any better. God, by definition, is good. And when you believe that, you know that you may not have everything you want in life, but if God is good, he's given you everything you need. And so you're to keep your eyes on God the Father of heavenly lights. And it's this idea that no matter where you're at in life, whatever angle you're looking at God from, maybe you're in a really good spot over here, maybe you're in a really bad spot over here, but you're still looking at God and believing that he's good and his goodness is unending. Your viewpoint of God never changes. He doesn't change like the shifting shadows. And the reality is you can only see shadows when you take your eyes off the light. The shadows would be behind you. that's like the problems. When you're looking at them and, and they're shifting behind you, it's because you're going back and forth in life. God's not changing, but your problems are. We have faith to go through trials and hardships because we know that God doesn't change, that he is good, and he will always be good, and that keeps us going. We know that his... Goodness is also undeserved. This is all grace. That he chose to give us birth through the word of truth. And this is talking about Christ's gospel that was planted in our hearts and is now sprouting. God chose up, chose us. And we're going to be talking a lot through the book of James about the importance of works. Works that accompany faith. But the foundation of this letter, the foundation of the gospel, is grace. Grace. All we have in life is a gift. And it's a gift that God has given us through his love. Every breath, every moment, the good and the bad, is a gift of grace from God. Not because we deserved it, but because he is good and gracious. Now, we might be a kind of first fruits of all he's created, this is really telling us that his goodness is unending. The first fruits here is, is really this idea that, that God's work in us is just getting started. All of the good and perfect gifts that he's given us is, is just a taste of what he's going to do. That what God is doing in our lives right now is just a preview of what he's going to do when he actually makes all things new. When heaven and earth become one, there will be no more hardships and temptations. God is working his goodness in you right now, but he's also just getting started. Faith helps us to see God's goodness through all that we're going through in life. So as we conclude today, I just just want to keep this this brief. There's many things you've faced in life. There's many things you're, you're going to face in life. Big problems, small problems, but You need to be mindful that Christ has already rescued you from your greatest problem, which is sin. This is something you couldn't work your way out of. It's it's something you couldn't think your way out of. You couldn't save yourself, but Jesus already saved you on the cross. Faith is knowing that your greatest battle in life is already fought and over and won on the cross. And that's why we can take heart. No matter what else we're going through, God has rescued us from our sin. And God has guaranteed us eternal life in heaven. And we can know that what he's done without a shadow of a doubt is going to ultimately remove us forever from our sorrows and our hardships. No matter what you're going through now, Christ has already took upon himself your greatest troubles and sorrows. He's conquered your sin. And that resurrected Jesus who who walked out of the grave, who's strong enough to overcome your iniquities, can give you the strength to keep going right now in whatever trial you're facing, that you can face it with pure joy and confidence in him. Faith leads you to persevere. Let's pray. God, we thank you for these promises. And I know that there's there's some here today who are hearing this, who who maybe need to hear this, and there's some who are hearing this and are just having a hard time believing it. But God, it's true. All of this is true. This is this is your word, your precious word given to us. May we rest in your promises. May we have confidence in you and your strength and your will. God, may you just be working in us to be a people that find a joy and a maturity and a contentment only in you, knowing that you have done everything that is necessary to conquer our sin, our greatest problem. That at the end of this all, no matter what happens in the rest of our numbered days, God, you are there, and eternity is before us where we can experience you in your fullness. God, we thank you for that. So for these people right now who are going through hardships, help to give them the strength just to to keep going. For those who are facing temptations of, of any kind, God, give them the strength to turn away. And for all of us, God, may we just keep our eyes on your goodness above all else. God, you are so good. And for that, we are so thankful. So God, I just pray all these things today.